This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Twitch, Twitch. And the author is Lee Love. And Lee joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Lee. Good morning. How are you? Well, we're going to have to talk about the title. We won't do that right yet, but find out about Twitch, Twitch. There's got to be something there, obviously. Uh, First of all, though, I want to read what you have written about your book, Twitch, Twitch. You say this. A young lady moved from Jamaica to emotionally, mentally, and physically cold New York City in the dead of winter. She is employed in immediately deemed poor, timid, shy, and not too smart, especially by her immediate boss from, well, you know where, from hell. Because she is from a third world nation, people just look at her in a different way, but she uses this to her advantage to survive the corporate daily wrangling of the job, especially with her boss. So you're going to take us down this road of corporate America, which you have some strong feelings about. Uh, But first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, Lee, and then we'll get into why you titled your book Twitch Twitch. Gladly. I am from Jamaica. I relocated to the U.S. when I was only 11 years of age. And so I've been raised in America, and I have spent over 30 years in corporate America, matter of fact, in the telecommunications industry. And a lot of times, those um, industries that I was in were like call centers. And what I've witnessed, and I experienced a little bit of but what I witnessed was that there were a lot of managerial abuse towards the employee that they considered the weakest um, weakest link, they would actually have their employee uh, pick up their laundry for them, go out and get them lunch at a certain time, do everything. One of the, the better stories that I have, that I do recall, the lady was in her 50s, and she just broke down in the bathroom one day, and she was crying because her boss, who was also... My boss had gone to a convention in Las Vegas and left her $300 pair of shoes in the hotel. And her responsibility was to track down the hotel and make them go find her shoes. (laughs) Therefore, when she spent all that phone time, when she was done, her boss wanted to know, um, so why didn't you get this and this and this and this other stuff done? So... We do see people that are being taken advantage of, and it's not, it's a, it's a hidden thing, and it's also a shameful position that it puts the employee in. And a lot of people do not go home and talk about it, do not just deal with it, because first of all, right now, especially right now with the economy the way it is, a lot of us are on jobs and staying on the jobs and dealing with a lot of pressure and also a lot of tension. But because we can't do any better right now, I mean, you have a choice. You're either going to eat or you're going to starve. And um, 
and then what you do is you do leftover money, you use it for some headache pills or something to deal with this. But I want to bring awareness to the, the, the corporate community that these things do happen. You also have peer pressure on you. You also have um, individuals that keep stuff stirring in the office. And it becomes abusive when it gets to the point that nothing is done about it. And what I want everyone to be able to do for Twitch Twitch is I want them to have some humor as to how the story went with Letitia. But at the same time, I want to empower an employee that feel like they're being abused to utilize the most underutilized department within a company, and that is the HR department. Most organizations do have an HR department that have an employee liaison. And a lot of your timid, Letitia-type individuals will not go to HR because they're afraid that HR will not take them seriously or do anything to help them or it might backfire on them or, uh, you know, just out of fear. So because of that, um, a lot of the abuse does not get documented and does not get noted. And I have come up with some ideas, just some quick glibs as to what someone needs to do when they feel that they're being abused. They need to correspond direct with their direct boss via email. When you're given a task, if the boss says it to you verbally, when you get back to your desk, confirm it with an email. And in your email folder, create um, a folder for that task. And everything that you get from your boss regarding that task goes into that folder. So if at any given time you need to grab that folder for a paper trail, you have that. And then another thing is it helps to protect you because you know exactly what the boss has said and you have got to empower yourself and be proactive and ask your bias. When your boss says, do this, do that, do that, do that, find out from them which is, which is priority right now. You gave me a project yesterday. Um, when do you want me to have that completed, and when does this new project need to be completed? So you're on a proper timeline in agreement. If it turns out something that is not going to be able to be finished by a specific time, you need to tell that to your boss that with such <laughs> highlight the different things that you have to do so the, the job can get completed. And another great thing about empowering yourself, and this is a trick. There are a lot of motivational, diverse work book, workplace books out right now. Get one and put it on your desk. Another way to deal with a, a tyrant of a boss is always say your name when you're talking to them. Always say, hello, Susie. Good morning, Susie. Susie, all, everything you start out with, you start out with their name. And also... You can actually say to your boss, if you are doing a project and the boss is not very pleased with your project or feel that you have a shortage, ask, is there any particular skill sets do I need to complete this that the company might maybe send me to a class to do? Um, is the, and if the boss, you know, refer you to HR, if not, to the boss, I'm going to check with our HR department and see if they might be able to send me to some kind of a, a workshop or a class that I'd be able to be more useful to the company. 
And always remind your boss how you love working for the company. And uh, when you're talking about going out to a class, if it turns out the company says, absolutely not, we will not do that, we don't do that, then what you've got to do to make yourself more, have more uh, knowledge and strength within your skill set is maybe take a vacation day and go take those classes on your, out of your own pocket because even if you don't use it there, you will still have the skills and knowledge that if you move on elsewhere, you can take it along with you. So there are some things that you can do to help yourself. Now, I know everybody is very curious about the title, so I'm going to let you ask me about the title. <laughs> well, you obviously are not timid about talking about taboo subjects. At least some people might call them taboo. But what about Twitch Twitch? Where, where did that, uh, what does all that mean? Believe it or not, you have a child and you take your child out in public. And your child misbehaves. And you give them a little hit on the butt. Mm, that's a twitch. But when you get home, what you really do behind closed doors to teach that person the lesson, that's a twitch twitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got it. I can see that. I can see yes. it. In fact, I probably experienced it when I was a kid. <laughs> I know I did. Okay. Yes. So you ask some very tough questions or you have some very... Uh, very, well, you have questions about the way things work in the corporate world, and Leticia is experiencing them, and, and you ask some questions. You know, do you really know your best friend? You might, you might think you know your best friend in the workplace. Why do you bring that up? I bring it up because a lot of times um, you really don't know that person. You have a Monday, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and that's it. Well, what's that person like when they leave and go home? What's the individual all about? Her, her best friend and that young lady that was her best friend, that befriended her, was a true friend from the beginning to the end of that book. However, there was a comical scene in there where she took her to the airport and she spent the night at the friend's house before going to the airport the next morning. And that particular part of the book is humorous because when... The friend has a habit of always eating fruit. When she went to her friend's house to spend the night because the friend was taking her the next morning to the airport to go home to Jamaica because of her mom, well, she got to the woman's house and she assumed the woman would probably have like a humongous basket full of fruit. Not one fruit in the house. It turned out that she has an entire closet full of nothing but potato chips, corn <laughs> chips, every kind of chip. So this person has a job and this person at their home are two different people. Plus when her friend unmasked herself um, by getting out of her garments and stuff, and she saw what the friend was really shaped like and looked like without all of her exotic wigs, you know, you really don't know that person. That's not the person you see nine to five. But it's humorous. Not knowing what that person is like um, after work hours, I have done into the humorous form, and the reason that I made the book more humorous, even though I am trying to put a message across America, is that when you read stuff in humor form, it becomes uh, more readable and more enjoyable, and uh, believe it or not, even more, uh, you, you learn more, because you've really taken an interest into the book, the characters, 
And you can I, yourself might find that you identify somewhere in there somehow with something. So that is the reason why Twitch Twitch is humorous. And I enjoyed, by all means, I really enjoyed writing it. And I enjoyed reading it. And everybody that have read it so far said, wow. Um, I have had a book signing already. And my book is carried in just about all the Barnes & Noble throughout the U.S. However, I have my own website. And in the address bar on the Internet, and the address bar, if most people don't know what that is, that is at the top off your internet page where you have the HHTP, just go ahead and in that address bar, put in twitchtwitch.com, and that takes you directly to my website, and that takes you directly to Twitch Twitch, and you can order Twitch Twitch from there, and also you can read a little bit more of what happens um, with Letitia. So um, if there's any more questions that you'd like for me to tackle sure, for sure. you, I'd gladly take them on. What, if you, what else would you like to know? Well, one of your messages uh, in your book is about the underdog can win. So it really has a, a very strong positive energy in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Empower yourself. Now, all these things I'm telling you to do, empower yourself. No, Letitia did not do any of those. She did the total opposite. But, however, her method did work. And what was her method? Her method was she got an opportunity to become, learn about her family history. By learning about um, coming of age within her family. She was at an age now that her mom was able to expose certain things to her and introduce her to certain things and certain behaviors. And those are the things that she used. So... She was afraid to go to HR because, of course, her friends are telling her, go, 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 constantly. But she chose not to go to HR. She also had her boss's boss do recognize that she was being bullied. And he had many times ever asked her to move on to somewhere else. And she said, no, she will not work for another employer. She will work directly with her boss. And this is her reasoning for it. In this world, you're not going to be always matched up with somebody that you and them click perfectly together. And starting under the workforce, she wanted to get the experience of working with a horrible human being so she could use that down the road as how to deal and cope with certain situations. But in the book, when you read it, you find out the actual factual reason why she chose to stay with the boss. And that is what you got to read it to find out. The title of the book is Twitch Twitch. Uh, you can learn more at Twitch Twitch. Dot com and the author is Lee Love. Uh, we just got a, a minute left, Lee. What what would you like to leave us with? Humor. People go for it. Read it. It's fun. Everybody that's read it has absolutely loved it. Just make sure that you put twitchtwitch.com in the address bar, not the search bar, but the address bar. And if you even want to be safe, you can actually put H T T P colon slash slash twitch twitch.com and that it will also take you to my web page where you can gladly get on board and uh, purchase the book and enjoy reading it and it is enjoyable fun reading even though it does concern a very serious topic and I would like for corporate America to know that somebody is trying to put a voice out there to those people that are having rough days on the job and I want to be that voice. 
Lee Love, thank you for being with us on Author Talk. All right. And how soon? Um, I want, well, I want to thank you for having me. That's definitely sure. And I'm looking forward to being able to tune in and hear myself. Thank you. Thank you now. Take care. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Do you love finding fabulous deals and enjoy fashion and discussing celebrities? Then you've touched the right dial. Join the lovely ladies of Celebrity Coupon with your host, Alisa Nicole, Lakeisha, and Raquel, as they get your weekend started off right. Every week on Friday at 6 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. They'll be discussing great deals on hot products, affordable fashions, and the latest celebrity news. We know you'll feel good after listening to this show and eager to come back the following week to tune in and hear news, tips, and advice on how to save while shopping for amazing products. For more on your Celebrity Coupon hosts and amazing deals and downloads, check out their webpage at CelebrityCoupon.com. You never know who'll be joining them and what giveaways they'll have. It's talk radio like never before. Celebrity Coupon with your host, Elisa Nicole. Lakeisha and Raquel. Friday afternoons at 7, 6 central on toginet.com. It's time to get your boots on with the boot campaign with hosts Megan Roth and Bailey Gray. Thursdays at noon, 1 central on toginet.com. Sponsored by Austin Bank. The whole point of the boot campaign is to continue the true grassroots initiative developed by a group of patriotic women known as the Boot Girls. Inspired by the true story of Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor, the Boot Girls got started with celebrities but want every American to get your boots on by purchasing a pair of the Give Back Combat Boots. The campaign's motto is simple. When they come back, we give back. For more on the boot campaign, go to the website, bootcampaign.com. The Boot Campaign Get Your Boots On Show will feature discussions on current events impacting the lives of active duty and retired military, interviews with our nation's war heroes, medical professionals, and celebrities who have put their boots on. Do your part and join us for The Boot Campaign Get Your Boots On Show with Megan Roth and Baby Gray, Thursdays at noon, 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Al-Qaeda, the Spider. Mass terrorism is not dead. Are we safe? And the author is Art Aronson, and Art joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Art. Hello, Steve. How are you? Great to have you with us. This is going to be a mind-stretching, emotionally... Uh, explosive kind of discussion because of the subject matter. And we'll get into your fiction based on fact. This is what you say about your book. Since 9-11, we've had individual terrorist U.S. attempts, but not mass attempts. My book is a mass attempt story plot that is real. Bin Laden's death is not the end of terrorism. It may be only the beginning. Well, that's very sobering, isn't it? Well, sobering is a good word because it, sobering is something to me uh, that will make you think and make you uh, try to be aware and be alert uh, to what's possible uh, in this country all around us any time. Uh, so it's a, it's a matter in, in my mind of 
not being complacent about uh, things that are possible. Yes, another word would be chilling as well. Sobering and chilling because the unimaginable could happen. And that's what your book is trying to help us understand. We must be more alert. What caused you to write this book, Art? Well, it's it's very specific. Uh, I was reading a newspaper article in the USA Today in January of 2010, and uh, there were some uh, high-powered people in the government, including the Secretary of State. I won't mention any names, but uh, they were being interviewed about terrorism. And uh, in general, uh, I thought they were downplaying mass terrorism since we had been uh, free from mass terrorism since 9-11. They were downplaying it since uh, we've, uh, at that point, uh, Bin Laden was still alive, but uh, they were downplaying it because, you know, we've captured people or we have people on the run and stuff like that. And I kind of took issue with some of the things they said. And uh, for some reason, I started to make some notes. And before you know it, I'm writing a novel, which I surprised myself. <laughs> well, you focus on a character. Her name is Tony Sharp. Now, you describe her as, I guess, a modern-day James Bond? She's an undercover uh, female operative uh, working for the CIA, uh, but also, um, this is a, also, in my mind, I'm creating or trying to create a collaboration of agencies. In other words, uh, she works for the CIA. She has a relationship with uh, operatives and people in Homeland Security and, and in, uh, with the FBI. Because in my mind, uh, all of these agencies seem to be separate systems as opposed to working together, uh, and uh, she is more of a, a modern-type CIA agent where she is her, her uh, responsibility is to bring together the CIA, the Homeland Security, and FBI on a regular basis, and I feel that the collaboration of those agencies instead of separate systems is, is really something that will keep us safer as opposed to separate systems. Now, you call yourself a layperson with no government connections, but at the same time, you've done a lot of research. Well, uh, what I have also found is that um, there is uh, a lot of investigation going on about terror. For example, uh, I have a... I read the newspaper as much as I can, and mostly every day, and I'm constantly finding articles uh, because Al-Qaeda and terrorism and everything related to it, it seems like it's in the media almost every day. And, uh, you know, if, if that's research, then I'm researching because uh, I have tons of newspaper articles that, uh, very good people have written about all kinds of situations relating to this. And I've kind of just uh, have been continually kind of pulling it together. And um, and that, that that's really been the basis for a lot of my writing. We all know that 9-11 at the time, we would never have imagined that something like that could happen. Of course, now we know it could happen. It did happen 
thousands upon thousands of Americans died. And because of that, it could happen again. That's really the premise of your book. Well, it could happen any time. And uh, the other thing that is, uh, is scary to me is that, uh, I, I mean, I talk about Muslims because uh, that was uh, those were the kind of people that were involved in, in 9-11. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of people that may, may be, uh, well, have beliefs along those lines, uh, and they may be living uh, amongst us, uh, but, uh, you know, we don't really know, uh, we tend, all of us tend to be sort of somewhat private in our, uh, families, even though we have neighbors and friends and relatives, but we never know who's really around us. Or uh, how they think, unless you know we're we're having a close relationship and exploring all kinds of things. So that's that's my point as far as uh, being aware, being alert of who's all around us, and uh, you know how we, how we relate to each other. And then there are Americans who are buying into this extreme uh, jihad. Uh, ideology. There are just regular Americans that are changing their thinking and and living behavior. And that's what I'm saying. And we and we uh, and in some cases we may know who they are, and in some cases we don't. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Yeah. So we so that's that's the basis of uh, trying to be aware of the unexpected all the time. And that's I mean that's not an easy thing either. Well, tell us more about Tony Sharp. Give us a little bit more, a little biography of her. Well, Tony Sharp is a uh, uh, chemical engineer, new college graduate um, from the New England area. Uh, originally, uh, she has uh, a Jewish background, and um, she, uh, in taking chemical engineering, she also... Uh, took various languages, including Arabic and Spanish, and she knows Hebrew. Um, so the uh, the government is always looking for sharp people as well to work in uh, intelligence communities. And um, they found, the government found her and recruited her, the CIA recruited her, and uh, uh, she was going into further education and engineering there, but the, she was recruited by the CIA, and she figured uh, she uh, liked that idea, and uh, she figured maybe you know, she'd put off her education and uh, check out this intelligence-type work uh, uh, up front uh, after graduation so that, uh, you know, she could... Uh, See if it's something that appealed to her, and she liked it. She figured if she didn't like it, she could always let it go and go back into education, which she, in engineering, which she wanted to do. Her goal, her ultimate goal, was to own some kind of business, manufacturing business in Israel, employing Jews and Arabs peacefully. And um, she, uh, uh, my book, really, um, you can say is a lot of what-ifs right. as, far as, as far as what happens, because uh, she decides, she joins the CIA, and um, she's trying to 
Uh, and she has, again, as I mentioned, the responsibility of trying to bring together agencies, which uh, she had, is attempting to do. And all of a sudden, she has this uh, appendix attack. She has appendicitis, and um, she's rushed to the hospital, and her her surgeon um, takes out her appendix. He happens to be Muslim, and... Um, there is a male Muslim nurse who also attends to her, and uh, uh, his name is Felix Assad. He happens to be uh, an undercover terrorist. And the surgeon, whose name is Dr. Moe, uh, in short, and uh, uh, th- that threesome develops a relationship. So, I can go further if you want. <laughs> well, uh we may want to talk a little bit more uh, about Dr. Mo and Felix Assad, but uh, right now, as you put together this, uh, I'm sure, a lot of twists and turns and, uh, as always, a very unexpected ending, right? Yes, there's a surprise ending, which I won't reveal here sure. for obvious reasons, uh, and uh, the surprise ending is positive. And um, there is no, there's no, um, there's nothing here regarding uh, uh, anything that's bad about Muslims. Uh, what, what I uh, talk about is a jihadist plot, um, and it's uh, an anthrax death plot. And uh, it's a question of uh, does it get foiled? Can it be foiled? And what happens at the end? We all know Muslims. We live with them right in our communities. I would say, you know, I respect them just like any other American from any other uh, uh, religious background or of, uh, of a different ethnic background. But, of course, we don't know. We don't know who among them, we may even know them, that they could be terrorists like Felix Assad. Well, absolutely. Uh, we don't know in, in, in a lot of detail in terms of uh, what their background is or uh, how they think and uh, or what prompts them to think. And they may not always have thought that way. It may be something new that has affected them. Uh, you know, for example, uh, a... Uh, one of our troops who has been in, in, at war, for example, in Iraq, and who has seen uh, killing of uh, civilians, women and children and stuff like that, uh, Who and he is an American. I mean, mentally, uh, someone like that and, and what is impacting him, I mean, he could become a terrorist. Well, we, of course, we hear a lot about the Muslim Brotherhood. Is that any part of your book? Um, not really. Uh, the uh, the Muslim Brotherhood was something is an organization certainly that personally I only had had uh, information on or came in contact with uh, since all of the the Arab Spring, what they call the Arab Spring, or all the craziness that is going on in Egypt. Um, and, and that's where a lot of the Muslim Brotherhood is. Uh, the only thing I can say about that, really, is that 
And, and this is not in my book, but um, some, since Ben Laden was killed and uh, Zawahiri, who was his second-in-command, who has taken over um, al-Qaeda, so to speak, uh, he's an Egyptian. And he was in jail for many years in Egypt, and um, uh, I'm concerned, honestly, and again, not part of the book, uh, I'm concerned that... Uh, um, he has, because he's an Egyptian and he had a relationship with the Muslim Brotherhood at one time, um, I'm not sure where he's going with Al-Qaeda in the future and what's going to turn out in Egypt. Right. Well, you have your first sequel and your second sequel all ready to go. Well, the, the second one is ready. It just has to wait for Al-Qaeda, the spider, to become successful over the next year. Uh, and I'm, I'm working on the third one right now. Third one as well. So this is a very intriguing series, sobering and chilling, as we've already mentioned. Uh, we can't be complacent. However, we are, aren't we? Well, we are. And um, uh, as I mentioned, I get a lot of input from newspaper articles about uh, a lot of these subjects that are have helped me with um, my sequels, even. But uh, I, you know, I watch a lot of uh, uh, TV, cable news, and uh, I, I, you know, pick out a lot of things from there too, based on government types and the terrorism types who are interviewed in terms of what they say and whether I agree, I agree with them or not, or even though they have great responsibilities. Uh, sometimes I, I wonder if they really uh, understand or, or uh, have their finger in all the details. And that's where, that's where I say, hey, I'm just a lay person, but uh, I have a lot of insight based on uh, uh, things I read and listen to uh, as far as uh, and bringing them together. Uh, and, you know, what does this mean? The title of the book, Al-Qaeda the Spider. Mass terrorism is not dead. Are we safe? And the author is Art Aronson. Art, tell us how to get your book. Well, the book is available um, online uh, through the publisher who was Author House. So AuthorHouse.com uh, is a way to uh, order the book, but you can order it online from any uh major retailer like uh, Amazon or Barnes & Noble especially, or my book can be ordered now uh, at any bookstore. It, the book is live, it can be ordered, and it's not on the shelves yet because it's that new, so you have to go in and order it. and may take a week to get one, but um, uh, it's sort of just in uh, step one as far as uh, you know, getting it marketed. Art, thanks for being with us on Author Talk. Well, I'm excited about uh, the uh, issues and uh, excited to the point where I just want people to understand and be aware and be safe. Thank you, Art. You're welcome. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Information is power, the power to change your life. 
so be here for Education to Excellence. Some of the most valuable information you may ever receive will be shared with you 7 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday night with Education to Excellence with your host, Bruce Beichman. You'll benefit from insightful shows featuring guests that are proven experts in their field. Little-known facts on how to improve your health by making one very simple change in your morning routine. If you're a high school graduate or working adult and a bachelor's, master's, or doctorate degree from an accredited college would change your life, you won't want to miss this. Education to excellence. Shift your career into high gear without ever attending a traditional college class. Learn investment strategies from proven experts who have a track record of helping normal individuals build abnormal wealth. Check out their website, education2excellence.com. Then join us for the show, Education to Excellence, with your host, Bruce Beichman. Tuesday nights at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on toginet.com. Fertility. It's an extremely personal subject. Tune in Monday nights at 9, 8 Central for the Fertility Forum with infertility psychotherapist and expert Phyllis Martin on toginet.com. This is the show about infertility, gaining support, and information. Phyllis will assist you in navigating the disappointments and decisions that often accompany the difficult journey from diagnosis to conception, pregnancy to parenthood. She is passionate about her work and is an expert in the donor egg field bringing both her personal and professional experience to all she does. Ms. Martin has extensive experience in helping patients cope with infertility, pregnancy loss, adoption, surrogacy, miscarriage, pregnancy termination, and creative family building. She knows what you're going through, and she's here to help. It's the Fertility Forum with your host, Phyllis Martin, Monday nights at 9, 8 Central on Togginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk. Brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Major General U.S. Grants, March in Louisiana. And the author is David Dumas. And David joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, David. How you doing today? Great to have you with us. You're going to take us back in history and give us some of the details of of this famous march in Louisiana, or maybe not so famous, but uh, after we read this, we will feel it's famous because you're very detailed. A lot of research here, a lot of pictures, uh, just great historical stuff. I want to read this. You say, this is a tour guide book. Uh, It's designed for the amateur historian who is interested in visiting locations related to the Vicksburg Campaign. This book contains photographs, locations, along with mileage and GPS coordinates of significant places along the march. Also included are the excerpts from the official records of the War of the Rebellion. GPS really makes a difference, doesn't it? That's correct. <laughs> well, why did you do this, David? What, what was the motivation? Well, I've gone to that area before and several times gotten lost trying to locate these places. Uh, and so I felt I need to put something down for the other amateur uh, photographers as well as historians, you know, so they can go ahead and look and wouldn't have as much difficulty that I had you know, trying to find these places. Historical markers, are there quite a few along this route? Well, I would like to see more. Uh, some places, you know, it's, it's quite well marked, but other places, you know, unless you really have... Uh, Something like Google, where you could just bring in satellite images, is going to be difficult to locate these places. 
Now, this campaign, the Vicksburg campaign, when did it start? Well, it started, it officially began uh, with Grant the last part of November in 1862. There were various phases of it. Uh, Grant initially tried to march down uh, from uh, Grand Junction, Tennessee, and use the railroad to supply his army. Well, in late middle of December, uh, General Earl Van Doren destroyed his base of supplies at Holly Springs in conjunction with uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest's activities in western Tennessee that causes Grant to withdraw. Then he tried a series of Bayou campaigns, Steel's Bayou, Yazoo Pass, the canal experiment, and all of those failed. So the final thing was to try to march down the western bank of the Mississippi River in eastern Louisiana and get below the Confederate stronghold at Vicksburg and cross the river somewhere below and then move up and take Vicksburg. So that was Grant's, that was basically some of the things in the Vicksburg campaign. Uh, like I see, it was a long, drawn-out process with Grant. Uh, and the last part, march down the uh, Louisiana shore and crossing below uh, finally succeeded. Now, you have a lot of photographs, obviously, of today, the way these areas look today. Yes. And a lot of pictures of historical markers. Well, when Grant marched down, the terrain was much different then than it is today. Most of the areas you can drive through now was underwater or flooded back in those days. The only place you could really march was along the levees, uh, along the river. But most of those areas uh, now, you know, have been drained. You still have the levees, and most of the area stays dry year-round today. Now, describe what these official records of the War of the Rebellion are. Well, official records was compilation of everything that happened during the Civil War, all the official orders, uh, maps, commands. Everything that involved the Civil War is listed in those records. So you use uh, many of them to point out what exactly was going on or what was being ordered to go on. That's correct. Fascinating, fascinating. Really, uh, you know, it's difficult to really comprehend the day-to-day life. Of course, uh, Major General Ulysses Grant and all his men and, and, and the... The Confederates, and they were always just, there was a strategic maneuvering. There was all kinds of tactics. I mean, can't imagine. Like you say, it was a, what'd you call it, a, a failed canal experiment, uh, experiment. What was that? Well, it was called the Williamson Grants Canal because Grant tried to re-come back and start, you know, at least finish the canal that would start sometimes earlier. Uh, basically, the canal was tried to bypass Vicksburg. Uh, all the canals that they tried, Grant never believed any of them would really work. But the thing was to keep his men occupied, having something to do, not just lay around idle. Now, when you were down there uh, in 2009, you said you found many of the road names had been changed and were different from what was given on many maps. So. You're a, a map maker, too, I guess, aren't you? Well, you know, when you look at some of the earlier maps, or at least some of these, uh, when you go online, you know, you pull up different uh, websites, you know, and you look down and you see the name of the road, but when you get out there, you find the road had been changed. And so you have to really be careful by going back to some of the earlier maps 
uh, and getting the names of the roads off of those earlier maps because uh, some of them have changed since they printed those maps. And, of course, like you did, when in doubt, ask somebody. Ask a local, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe they can point you the right direction. They may know exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, most, most of the time, you know, the people realize the historical significance of where they live. Now, another thing, um, be careful of the time of year when you're touring. That is also important. Uh, sometimes you can get in the wintertime, a lot of these roads uh, are just dirt roads. And if it rains, you know, you can, if you're not in a four-wheel drive vehicle, you can probably get stuck. Uh, next thing, during the wintertime, if you're going to look at for a conjunction of two bodies of water where two creeks or streams come together, if you go in the wintertime, you can get a better view because there's less foliage on the trees. But if you go in the summertime, you know, you can be standing right next to it and not see it because of the foliage on the trees. And then, too, you got to always be careful of poison ivy in the summertime. And you need to be careful, as you point out, be mindful that you don't park in somebody's yard. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> well, you, that must have happened to you. <laughs> it did. Uh, you know, some of these places... You know, I live in Texas, and Texas does a great job with its highway system. And some of these places don't have shoulders on the road. So you kind of pull over, you're really in somebody's yard. <laughs> and this guy asked me to come up there to read the water meter. <laughs> <laughs> and I told him, no, he said, well, in that case, you can't park here. He, he wasn't at, at all uh, sympathetic of what you were trying to do. Huh? That's correct. <laughs> The purpose of this guide is to allow the amateur historical buff and the casual tourist to retrace Grant's movement in Louisiana, dealing only with the lead elements of the march. These were very complicated, weren't they? Uh, yes. Basically, Grant had three Army Corps, and uh, Joe McPherson's 13 Army Corps led the way. And this deals with mainly his 13 Army Corps, that did uh, the leading. They the one built the bridges, and then eventually uh, McPherson's Corps came down, and uh, Sherman's Corps came down, and they just followed the path that McClellan uh, had pioneered. Boy, when you think about building bridges or digging canals back then, it was just pure gut wrenching work, back breaking work, all manual labor. That's correct. It's hard to imagine, but that's what they had to do, and they did it. And they did it. Yes, they just did it, didn't they? Now, you also uh, recommend uh, a couple other books that go into some details. That's correct. Uh, the definitive story about the campaign in Vicksburg is Ed Barr's three volumes of the Vicksburg campaign. Uh, I mean, everybody that's interested in the Vicksburg campaign needs to read that book. It includes everything that was associated with Vicksburg campaign. There's another book by Warren Grabau, uh, a ge geographer's view of the Vicksburg campaign. The maps alone in his book are worth buying. And there's another thing I have to mention. Uh, the War of Rebellion, a compilation of the official records of the Union Confederate Armies. I, I got that uh, permission from Gill Press, and it's on CD-ROM. So, I mean, those three, the CD itself, I mean, it's worth every penny you have to pay for it because they include everything about the war rebellion. Any other closing thoughts, David? Uh, 
just if you get a chance, uh, just go to the Vicksburg National Military Park. It's one of the greatest places in the United States. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was great. Uh, it's still a learning process. And I'm still going back to the Vicksburg area, still doing a lot of photographing and just try to see as much of it as I can. David Dumas, he is the author of his book, Major General U.S. Grant's March in Louisiana. David, tell us how to get your book. Well, right now, still trying, it's still being marketed. Uh, Arthur House is handling uh, public relations, and they're still going through trying to get as many bookstores to put it in, uh, in their stores as possible. Well, thank you, David. Thanks for being with us on Author Talk. All right, thank you. 